Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Inside Scoop podcast. It's your boy, Scoop. It's been a while since I got back on the podcast. I got good news. Uh, started a new job, and so been a little busy with everything, trying to get everything uh, organized and um, getting my feet wet with the new position. So um, pardon my tardiness with getting back to you all. Um, I'm going to take a step away from what I normally do. Um, I normally talk about sports and culture. In this tape, I'm, I'm going to talk about sports, but um, it's a little bit more personal. Um, this week, a guy by the name of Tom Konchowski passed away. For many of you all, you probably never heard that name before, um, but he was the preeminent high school basketball scout in the country. Um, he was in his 70s, uh, passed away due to cancer, um, he retired last year. He had his own scouting service for over 40 years, over 50 years, actually. And he had just retired last year but was still in the game. And um, I thought a lot about him because I didn't know he was sick. And I wanted to share some stories, uh, not just him, but if you all remember my, my very first episode, I kind of described uh, why they called me Scoop. Um, and in talking about Tom Konchowski, this will kind of dig deeper into that space because um, he is somebody who left a, a very big mark on me and to all the basketball players he scouted, all the people that he met. Um, and it's kind of taken a step or page um, from a previous book in my life, I guess you could say. Um, I'm always involved in sports, but I haven't written in sports in that space in a long time. But his passing made me think about, you know, one of my biggest joys in life, which was being able to cover high school basketball while I was in high school um, and also a little bit while I was in college. And it's also the reason why I have the nickname Scoop. Um, my Uncle Brian told me in high school that um, I had the inside scoop on everything, so he called me Scoop Newsworthy. And that nickname is obviously stuck because, you know, when I got to college, my first day on campus, that's how I introduced myself. And if it wasn't for Facebook, uh, most of my classmates wouldn't even know my real name uh, until I wrote for the school newspaper. Also, between those two things, I was just Scoop. Um, but Tom Konchowski, um, he was... If you can imagine this, he was a six foot six um, white man with the biggest hands ever. I mean, he used to shake your hands and he would, he would look you in the eyes with, with very, wasn't intense, but a very um, matter of fact way of just, just, a, just a gentleman. But your hands would be crushed when you shook this man's hands. But he would sit and he would ask you, you know, how are you doing? How's everybody doing? And I've been reading a lot of, of, uh, of stories about him since he passed and listening to people on, um, on different platforms discuss him. And it was very similar. He was just very genuine and warm, but he was also very detail-oriented. So when it comes to writing about college basketball, high school basketball, um, it takes a certain skill set to be able to analyze players and tell exactly what's good about their game, um, and then be able to also say that this player is a Division II type of talent, Division I A type of talent, Division I 
double-A type of talent, um, and to rank people, not necessarily in numbers, but put them on a certain level. That takes a lot of skill, a lot of skill. And he would literally go to games. I'd see him at games. And he would sit generally at the top of the gym with his back up against the wall. And he would be completely quiet with the notebook, with the pen and a pad, you know, and we have a brochure, like a, uh, a folder with his pad. And he would not only um, write a little tidbits about each player, but he was keeping, keeping score himself. So he would know exactly how many points, rebounds, assists somebody had. Um, and, you, and if you were to see him in the gym, you wouldn't even be able to really talk to him until halftime. He was completely focused on the game. Completely focused. And his memory was impeccable. People think I can remember a lot of things. Mr. Kachowski could remember everything. I, I first met him when I was 14 years old. Um, I'm, I'm six feet, six one, really close to six feet now. Uh, back in those days, I was about f- five foot five, maybe. And my first major event. So, um, it was, it was the summer of 1999. I was just getting into covering high school basketball on the on a bigger level I had done a little things you know some things uh prior to that just going to games in my high school but through a relationship I developed with the guy in Michigan named Mike Folletti we decided to have our own website create our own website he was from Detroit I was from DC and we were going to cover things in our region and, and and we developed a network of correspondents eventually that can cover their own regions um but um, first, the first time I went to a basketball tournament, um, and I was like, you know, technically the media was the DC Pro-Am Classic, BC Pro-Am, yeah, Classic. It was at first Friday night, it was, it was a weekend AAU tournament with eight teams. Friday night was at UDC, University District of Columbia in their gym. And then Saturday and Sunday was at GW. So in this time, I had met a couple players, met a couple coaches, um, and it was a great tournament. Riverside Church, I believe, won that year. Riverside Church is a team out of New York. Um, they had Omar Cook as starting point guard, who ended up being a second-round draft pick, went to St. John's. Uh, Riverside Church is always a powerhouse. They are um, one of the best, and especially in my generation, one of the best AAU basketball programs in the United States. Um, and so they, I met a couple players. That, you know, I met um, Mac Irvin, who was the founder of the Mac Irvin Fire out of Chicago. Well, they, at the time, they were called the Illinois Fire. Um, obviously, well, D.C. Assault, Curtis Malone. Uh, I knew all the guys from D.C. Assault because they were, you know, from my area. But I met, um, at the time, the Michigan Mustangs, head coach Chris Greer, some of their players. Um, the Atlanta Celtics, I believe, did they play in that tournament? I'm not sure if they played in the 99 tournament, but they played, uh, definitely played the year before. But it was a, a bunch of AAU programs that were really good. Also, the Tim Thomas players run by Jimmy Salmon. Uh, Jimmy Salmon. I mean, his, his last name is pronounced Salmon, um, I believe. But um, it was a bunch of guys. If, if you're familiar with high school basketball, these were coaches that were some of the preeminent AAU coaches in the country. 
And so I, I met them, developed a relationship with them, you know, pretty cool. Um, and, I, and for years, I had been reading uh, the Big East Handbook, Recruiting Handbook. It was a, it was a magazine that was targeted specifically to the Big East every year. And in the back of it, they had this breakdown of high school basketball. And one of the things I always remembered was that the ABCD camp, the Adidas ABCD camp, was held in New Jersey, and it was free to the public and open to the public. The Nike All-American camp was not. So me being somebody who has family in New York and New Jersey, my mom's entire side of the family lives in New York City or in New Jersey, I asked my mom and asked my Uncle Ralph if I can go to ABCD camp. And since it was in Jersey, I'll go up for the week. And, um, and, 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 and my family obliged. And so my uncle lived in central New Jersey. And this tournament was, or this camp was in, in Teaneck, which is in northern New Jersey, right across GW Bridge. So my uncle would drive me every day up from Marlboro, New Jersey, up to Teaneck, which is about, uh, it, it might be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, one way. Uh, he would drop me off, and this time he dropped me off the first day of camp. I get there, and I'm just, I got my notepad and stuff, but it's open to the public. I'm not thinking anything of it. I can just go in, watch the games, write, and leave. Well, I got to the front, the front desk, and I saw a guy that I know from D.C. named Steve Richardson, and and Steve said, you know, I got my press pass. Would you like one? And I was didn't think that that was something I could do. So I go in and I tell him, you know, I'm here for the media. I, I didn't register before, but you know, he kind of helped set it up for me, and I got a press pass. So here I am, 14 years old, with my first press pass to the biggest camp in the United States. Um, I, 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 we can go back and forth between Nike and Adidas camp, but I would say Adidas is, Adidas ABC camp is the best camp in the United States. So we go in. Um, and I remember, you know, being in the media, you end up rubbing elbows with certain people. One guy was named Clark Francis. He, uh, founded this, uh, media platform called Hoop Scoop. Um, and he was also a high school basketball scout. So I'll pick his brain a little bit, but Tom Kanchowski, like I said, he was six foot six. And he was just so quiet. And he always had his V-neck sweater and his and his uh, collar. He had a, a button-up shirt under it. And he was always, that, that was his pretty much like his uniform. And I remember when I met him and how nice he was. And I had heard his name before. Um, he is, like I said, one of the preeminent people. So anytime there's a high school basketball write-up, Tom Kachowski is pretty much one of the correspondents of that. So I met him. Shook his hand, and every time I got a chance to see him, I would try to sit next to him and just soak up whatever I could. I learned early that he was very quiet during the game, so I didn't try to bug him too much. But if it wasn't me trying to interview a player, I was trying to sit next to him as much as possible. And that was our relationship. I mean, anytime um, the way the camp was set up, you'd watch the games, and then at halftime, they were four courts at one time. Um, this was a big pavilion and the courts were going, um, horizontal, these four courts. And so at halftime, you go up to the top, there was a, a media center that printed out stats. You can go in, go to the computer and you can cl click which teams you want to see their stats. 
which players. You can break it down by states. You can break it down by their class year. You can break it down by position. And a lot, and that's where the writers will come up. That's what even sometimes some of the parents will come up, the coach will come up to see the stats. And I would just rub, you know, if I wasn't already talking to him then, I would, I would try to talk to him then, um, you know, and get a chance to just, you know, see who he thought was good, you know, and that was, that's how it started. I came back to ABCD camp for the, the next four camps. I went to the D.C. Uh, Pro-Am every summer for probably the next four times as well. And Miss Kachowski was at both each summer. And I would, I, would, I would sit next to him as much as I could. I remember sitting at the press box or the press table during the D.C. Pro-Am and asked him who was his all-time greatest starting five for high school basketball. Now, this man, as I said, he was in his 70s. So we're talking almost 20 years ago when I asked him that question. So he's in his 50s, but he had been, you know, a gym rat since he was a teenager. So he saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in high school. And that was one of his players that he had on his list was his center. But just listening to how he broke down everybody, I'm, I'm trying to remember the whole team. I believe he had Jason Kidd as a starting point guard. It was either Jason Kidd or Kenny Anderson. But the one person that stood out to me was a guy named Billy Owens. And many of y'all that's listening may not know who Billy Owens was or is. Billy Owens played at Syracuse. Uh, Billy Owens was a was an NBA player. But uh, of all the players he had seen, I mean, he'd seen Kobe. He'd seen Michael Jordan in high school. He'd seen um, shoot Dr. J. But he said Billy Owens was the best small forward he'd ever seen, at least at that point. And that always stood out to me because it was so, it seemed so random to me, but I trusted this man's word with anything when it came to basketball. Later on, um, years later, I had started working with the Capital Classic. The Capital Classic, for all that don't know, is. Uh, the high school basketball all-star game here in D.C. It is the precursor to the McDonald's All-American game. Uh, the, uh, the Capital Classic was founded in 1974. And the original McDonald's All-American team, the way that the Capital Classic is set up, it was the D.C. area versus the United States. And so in 1977, that United States team became branded the McDonald's All-Americans because McDonald's was a regional sponsor of the Capital Classic. And that 1977 team had Magic Johnson on it. Um, and so that game was such a big game that McDonald's decided and asked, can we make create an all-star game? Just, just all national, U.S. versus U.S. And so Bob Gagan, who is like a mentor to me, the founder of the Capital Classic, obliged and helped organize the game, and he then founded the McDonald's All-American Game. Um, and when he did so, he had a couple people that were 
uh, integral in helping him develop the game. John Wooden, the old coach for UCLA, the legendary coach for UCLA, uh, was someone who, who helped him. Uh, Morgan Wooten, uh, who, when he retired, was the all-time winning his high school coach in, in U.S. history at DeMatha High School here in the D.C. area. Um, Howard Garfinkel, who is the founder of Five Star Basketball Camp, which the a- Adidas ABCD camp was more of a showcase camp, but Five Star is the godfather of basketball camps. The best players played at Five Star, um, even my generation, and going uh, going above um, Howard Garfinkel was uh, the founder of that, and so. He had a lot of those guys come, but in addition, he had people that helped select people in the media, and Tom Kanchowski was one of those people. He had a vote for the McDonald's All-American game. In addition, he also helped write for Five Star and do the scouting reports for Five Star. Um, there was a kid once that came to Five Star and had a great showing, and previous to this camp, no one had really known about him. But Tom wrote about him. Um, Howard Garfinkel talked about him a lot. And that can't put him on a different pedestal. He ended up getting more looks uh, by colleges, ended up getting a bigger profile. He ended up being a McDonald's All-American at the end of that year. And his name was Michael Jordan. Um, Five Star is literally the camp that helped catapult his career, going from unknown to what we know now is, you know, the greatest basketball player of all time. But Tom had an, had an, um, an involvement with even that story. And they're, they're, so when I started working with the Capital Classic, my first year, because we were kind of bringing things back, Bob had sold it to another, um, not sold it, but he allowed a company to run it, and he stepped away. But this year, in 2010, um, or 2011, I mean to say, he wanted to come in and and, and do things uh, back to how he, he could have just having control over it. And I ended up being his right-hand man for that for that and the, the following uh, two games. But Howard Garfinkel helped us pick the, the U.S. team with the help of Tom Kachowski. It was literally those two men were like, these guys should be able to play. This guy's good. This guy's this. And and Tom was a scout, and Howard knew the kids, but, but Tom was really the person that, whose valuations were what we, we uh, utilized. And then when I found out Tom was involved, I remember thinking to myself, he wouldn't know who I am again. Like, I haven't seen him in, in some years. But he came to D.C. for the Capital Classic in 2011 and I got to see him again and he was like hey Kyle how you doing and it was as if I saw him yesterday and we 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 picked his brain the previous the next two years about players for the U.S. team especially in the New York area and he always lent his insight Um, I saw him again the last time I saw him was at High Point High Point High School, there's a summer league. So D.C., we're really big on um, summer league for high school basketball. So um, while other places were always on AAU, AAU's big in D.C. now also. But when I was growing up, growing up 
And pretty much until maybe about a couple years ago, high school summer league was more important than AAU here in this area. So even if you were technically in eighth grade, but you selected your high school, you would play for your upcoming high school in the summer, and it allowed for your teams to get a chance to see each other, to jail before the season started. But high school summer league was very big. And, and the biggest league, there were a couple. Um, Kenner League was at Georgetown University. Um, that league was pretty big because it was not only sponsored by Nike, um, it was in a air, very, <laughs> very air-conditioned gym. McDonough Arena was freezing. It's always freezing. Um, but they also had a college league with guys from different colleges being on the same team. They had a pro league. So Kenner League was, was a big one um, as an overall league. This is but Kenner League's Kenner League's pro league was bigger than the Goodman League when I was in high school. It, it ended up shifting a little bit during that kind of like the N one era. But Kenner League was big overall. But the Rock Summer League at High Point, I argue, is the was the best league in high school basketball in the area. And literally, it was like you know teams that would never play each other would play each other. Then you'd have teams that normally play each other would play each other. So so the fans of those schools would come to the game as if it was like a regular season game. Uh, my high school was in it, St. John's, DeMatha, Gonzaga, Good Council, Carroll, um, O'Connell, a lot of the Catholic schools in D.C. that were really good were in this league. But then you also had public schools like Oxen Hill, Eleanor Roosevelt, even going all the way up to um, – to Thomas Johnson and Frederick, to Annapolis. I'm not trying to think of Annapolis play, but yeah, Thomas Johnson and Frederick, um, High Point, obviously. Magruder played in it. Magruder's in Montgomery County, Maryland. You had Laurel. So you had a, a wide array of teams in this area playing this league. And Tom was at the championship game. He was there for the championship game, for the playoffs and the championship game. And one thing about him was he, he didn't have a driver's license. So he always took the train in New York, uh, the metro, you know, the subway system in New York to get around. And in this case, he took the train and a cab, I believe, to get to High Point. And he was the same person just sitting there with his notepad and just covering the games. And, and once again, hey, Kyle, how are you doing? You dreaded shaking his hands, but you knew that by doing so, you would have one of the best conversations you'd have that day or that week or that month. And your hand would be fine afterwards. But um, he literally got thousands of kids' college scholarships because of how he wrote about them. Um, he kept, in New York in particular, he kept New York City basketball not only relevant, but thriving because he was a voice for the players. Um, not like in a voice kind of like Colin Kaepernick or Malcolm Jenkins or things of that nature, but as far as he had a platform that he developed and he would showcase how good New York players were. And he just really cared about the game of basketball. I oftentimes tell people that, you know, when I watch basketball, um, I don't I don't enjoy it from an entertainment perspective. 
you know, when I watch games, people say, oh, it was a great game. You know, it was, it was high scoring. It was this and that. I'm watching the way the game is played. You know, unless it's a team that I really root for, and there aren't that many teams in the NBA, I've never really had an NBA team that I follow. College has been Georgetown since birth, so I want Georgetown to go undefeated every year. But outside of Georgetown, when I watch college basketball, I'm just watching to see how guys progress. It's not about how many points they score. It's about how much better they are getting from the game I saw them play last. How how is the team gelling? How is their passing? How are their fundamentals? Um, you know, I can't watch bad basketball. You know, a lot of turnovers, a lot of travels, a lot of you know, over dribbling. I can't do it. And 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 what further that for me and the way I view the game is from guys specifically Tom Kanchowski. Guys guys like Tom Kanchowski made me feel comfortable with being an analyst of the game and to love the game for for it and nothing more. I'm happy the guys get paid millions of dollars to play it. I am. But that's not why I love basketball. I love basketball because it is just an amazing sport. I mean... There are movies where, you know, somebody goes missing. And there's that one person in that room that's like, I know where he is. And the next scene is they find him. He's sitting at this special bench on the lake. Or he's, um, you know, at this special diner that he used to go with his, go to, you know, go to with his father. For me, <clears throat> if you try to find out where I am. In a in a non-COVID place, I'm in practice. I'm at a basketball practice, not at a game. I'm not sounding like Allen Iverson, right? Uh, not a game, not a game. I'm at practice. There's nothing better for me than hearing the squeak of sneakers on a gym floor. Nothing. Absolutely nothing better. I like watching practice because I like watching kids learn the game of basketball. Kids getting better, progressing through the game of basketball. Games are cool. I like games. But it's about the tech, the technical aspect of the sport for me. Always will be. Always will be. If I could watch the Lakers practice or the Golden State practice, I would enjoy that more than sit in front row at a playoff game, I would. And people think, oh, you're just making nothing serious. Anybody that knows me, that, that really knows me from basketball, knows I'm telling the truth. All my boys that, that you know, that grew up with me, that I covered at basketball, I was always in the gym. I go to AAU practice, I go to pr- practice is what I love the most. And for somebody like myself, I'm 14, there's nobody around my age, really. There was my boy Keith Mason from New York. He used to uh, cover high school basketball as well. Um, like I said, a guy, Mike Folletti. But there weren't really many people like that, especially nobody here in D.C. was my age doing what I was doing. So I had no peers in that aspect. But when I met Tom, Tom made me feel comfortable being the, 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 the kid that I was. A lot of kids wanted to 
play the game. And I love the game. I play, you know, at Shepherd Elementary School or, you know, play pickup and things of that nature. But I didn't aspire to be an NBA player. I just loved the game of basketball. I knew that what I was interested in was the other side of, of the game. I knew that early. But there was no roadmap for me. I created my own roadmap. But I saw someone else that was like a kindred spirit in that space. And Tom Kanchowski was that for me. So much so that, that me catching when he passed away really hit me because it made me think back to that. I've done a lot of things in my life since I last wrote for Slam Magazine covering high school basketball in 2005. And that's the, that's that's a part of who I am that that'll never leave. I'm still a gym rat. Part of my my discussions on basketball lately have been because I don't like that I feel that basketball is becoming more about entertainment. Kids are playing the game because of what you can get from it versus just the sport, just playing the game and trying to be the best you can be. Take the money out, take the ability to have nice cars and nice houses and get you know, gorgeous women because of what you can attain from basketball. But just the essence between those 94, the 94 feet on the court. That's, that's what makes me love basketball. So I just wanted to take some time out to speak on uh, the life of somebody who inspired not just myself, but um, helped motivate thousands and thousands of basketball players further not just their dreams but but get them right because he was someone who took care and consideration to people when he said something to players they knew it came from a good place it wasn't criticism it was a critique there's a difference and oftentimes those people are not giving their flowers um, I don't know if I ever told Tom all that he meant to me because he's such a humble guy, he probably would say, well, I appreciate that, and that's it. But, you know, maybe he's he's at a gym right now, you know, in, in, in the sky, and just, uh, you know, might check this, this uh, podcast or something. You know, just thinking of speaking good things into the universe. And, and um, I wish he was able to hear that. He's just a different person, man. While everybody else was doing websites, Tom maintained his report through typewriter. And when he retired last year, he his last report was still via typewriter. There's something to be said about people that that remain the same. No matter what's going on around them, that they stay true to who they really are and who they want to be. And, and he, he probably could have done a lot of things. He probably could have run scouting for an NBA team. He could have probably ran um, some aspect of player evaluation in college and probably got paid a lot more money. But he knew what he wanted to do. 
and he knew the impact that he had, but in particular, he knew the impact he had on children. And that is so admirable. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, New York basketball players have been talking about him. And I remember one post said he was good on any MLK Boulevard. And it's true. He used to go to games at the projects in New York. He'd go to games anywhere, roughest neighborhoods, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Harlem. Anywhere there was a good game, he was there. And he was well-respected by everybody. Everybody knew who, what kind of guy he was. All the basketball players, their families, everybody looked out for him because he looked out for them. I hope that, you know, when I pass away, that I have people that feel the same way about me. And I hope that people, anybody listening, that you think about your life in that way too, that you have people that say, you know, no matter what materials, material items they they attain through their life, whether they made a lot of money, whether they didn't make a lot of money, that their character and their spirit is something that left an indelible mark on everybody they, they connected with. Sometimes it makes you reset your goals. I want to have a good amount of money so I could give back and set my family up for, you know, success. But ultimately, you want a life where you leave a legacy on the people that lived it. Your car can't tell you about how well you drove it. But the kid you mentor can talk about the life that you helped them to, you know, to lead. So I just want you all to think about this. You all can Google him. Um, the last name is Konchowski, K-O-N-C-H-A-L-S-K-I. But if it's not him, take some time to think about the person in your life or a person in your life that you admired because of their character and they helped you become a better version of yourself. Whether they knew it or not, it could be your fourth grade teacher, it could be the person that ran the, the, the rec, it could be your, your, your cheerleading coach, you know, for the ladies listening, it could be your, you know, the janitor at your elementary school. Take some time to think about who that one person is that, or a person, because I, I'm blessed that I've had a lot of people that have left an indelible mark on me. And I hope and I, and I, and I, I think I've done a good job at letting them know how important they have been uh, with Tom, with somebody I didn't see that often. So I wasn't able to convey that to him as much. But just take some time and think about who in your life uh, really touched you. And if you have uh, or have not, if you haven't had the time to tell them that, then find some time. Find a way to connect with them if you can. Reach out to people that knew them, that know them now, and just say, hey, I just thought about you, and I want you to know how much you, you meant to me or you mean to me now. 
Nothing more, nothing less. Is there anything I can do to help you? Because you helped me. That's all I have to say for this episode of the Inside School Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Most importantly, I want to thank Tom for being the, the stand-up guy, the gentleman, the 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 um, analyst that he was, for having the impeccable memory, to having what's called bedside manner and knowing how to deal with people, and being and and living a life um, that was that was admirable by so many. And I hope that the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame honors him. There's nobody that did what he did in this space of high school basketball. And I think that he deserves to be honored amongst the greats. And I think if you ask anybody that ever came in contact with him and knew how big he was in this space, they will all agree. Have a blessed day, everybody.